Good morning and happy Thursday. Welcome to Dialegami, the people's conversation with Travis and Kyra Gold. If you are new here, my name is Kyra Gold. I am married to Travis Gold. He is the lead pastor at For the People's Church located in downtown Los Angeles. And we have an incredible son named Axel who turned one this past March. What even? If you missed the other episodes in this daily series, this week, Trav and I are taking a break from our usual long-form episodes that come out every Monday, just due to how everything worked out with the church calendar over the next two weeks. Instead, each day this week, going from Monday to Friday, I will be hosting a week of daily gospel meditations. Our heart with these daily devotional style episodes with these gospel meditations this week is to comfort, confront, and to challenge you and ourselves because we need these truths too uh, with the life-giving, false foundation-destroying truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have not yet prayed before listening to this episode, please press pause right now and pray. Ask that the Holy Spirit would apply his word to your heart, bringing fresh revelation and illumination in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, with all of that being said, let's jump right into the gospel meditation for today. We are going to be in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, starting in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Verse 20. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Before you continue listening, before we start unpacking this parable together, uh, take some time first to read all of Luke chapter 14. Uh, Then next, take some time to wrestle with the passage, uh, with the verses that we're highlighting and focusing on today. Even if you've done so before, take some time again. Ask the Holy Spirit for fresh revelation, for fresh illumination as to what Jesus is teaching in this parable. Sit in it for a moment. Wrestle with it before continuing uh, with this podcast, which, you know, is a secondary supplementary resource. So take some time to wrestle, to sit with Jesus first, and then we can jump back in together. 
Okay, let's jump back in together. We see here that Jesus is teaching us something very important as it pertains to our devotion to him. He is teaching us that sometimes the greatest enemy of our hunger and thirst for him, of our satisfaction in him, are actually the gifts that he gives. Out of all of the flaming arrows that the enemy can use to deceive us into stepping out of position, God describes that what keeps us from the banquet table of his love is a field that he needs to go see, a yoke of oxen that he wants to try out, and a spouse because he just got married. The more you meditate on these passages, the more you begin to see that oftentimes the greatest adversary of our love for God, of our cherishing of Jesus, it's not simply his enemies, but in fact, his gifts. The things that we have been praying for, he gives them and then we put them in place of him in our hearts. Maybe not literally in word, but we certainly do indeed. Have you noticed that in your own life? How often our most deadly appetites, our most destructive desires are not for things that are inherently evil, but instead for the simple pleasures like sleep or a new house, or a relationship, or a friendship, or a child, or a new job. And we see that, right, so clearly articulated in the verses that we just read together. These things, they're not bad things in and of themselves. Remember in our conversation on relationships, we said that our hope is in Jesus, and that out of the overflow of that hope, we can trust him with what and who he gives, removes, or withholds. That our relationship with Jesus and satisfaction in him is primary in handling his gifts with care and stewarding them for his glory. Otherwise, our identity shifts from being in him to being in the gifts that he gives or the things that he chooses to do through us. We mentioned in that same conversation on relationships, uh, Psalm 8411, where we read, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And we're often tempted to think that him withholding a friendship, a romantic relationship, whatever it is that you're desiring, is indicative of us not walking blameless or righteous, as other translations put it. But let's first look at what God is showing us here about himself. He is showing us that his withholding is good. And it is often in his withholding that God teaches us how to steward gifts well. This is great mercy on us. So with everything and in every relationship, relational desire, thing that you are praying and believing for, ask, have I submitted this to Jesus? Have I submitted this desire to Jesus? Because few things threaten our faith more than when a good gift of God, beautiful in itself, Like, for example, my marriage to Travis or our son or our church or our family, those good gifts of God, you know, few things threaten our faith more than when those good gifts slowly become necessary for our happiness. So again, the desires for other things are are not evil in and of themselves. 
For example, somebody's desire to have good health or to marry and have children or to travel or to have tea or coffee in the morning or to exercise, to write a song, to write a book, to sleep in, whatever it might be. It's not inherently evil in and of itself. They are, in fact, gifts from God. But just because they are gifts from God doesn't mean that they can't become deadly substitutes for God. Subtly becoming idols that replace him in our hearts. The Bible is clear about this and warns us that desires for other things can choke the word. We read this in Mark 4.19 where Jesus says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Here's a pulse check challenge for you. Take some time before God daily in surrender, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal deep things within your heart. Gifts he has given both in the physical and then also supernatural spiritual gifts that he's, he's given to you uh, in service to him that you have not consecrated. We need to get on our knees before him daily, acknowledging that there is nothing, nothing better than him and nothing outside of him that is of substance. We ought to be like Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, right? And in preceding verse 15, God says uh, to Moses, leave this place. Uh, You and the people, you know, you brought out of Egypt and go to the land that I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, you know, I will give it to your descendants. He says, I will send an angel before you, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff necked people and I might destroy you on the way. (laughs) The Lord says to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are stiff necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Okay, this is what God says to Moses. But then Moses's response in verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? We should be like Moses, unwilling to go without God, even if everything will be okay. God said, I'll I'll send an angel to go before you. So he knew he had safety there. But worldly success and and safety should not be worth denouncing our father in heaven. We should not want the thing we are praying for more than we want him. We need him to worship him. We need him to see him. We need him to live. We should be willing to do anything and to go without anything if it might preserve the sweet desire in our hearts of full satisfaction in him. The sweet desire put in our hearts by him, right? Like we just said, we need God (laughs) to love God. A progressive satisfaction in Jesus, in his grace, by the power and work of his spirit is what protects us from allowing the gifts he gives us to become the very thing at competition with him in our hearts. It is a deep acknowledgement of his supernatural grace to which we can do nothing for, And in his kingdom, we can do nothing without. 
It is knowing that in the name of Jesus, every need of man is met with redemptive power. And apart from him, you have no good thing. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you where you have let his gifts become his enemy in your heart. Because good gifts can cause great damage when those good gifts become God to us. In the parable of the great banquet, Jesus shows us that these gifts that God gives us when not in proper order can keep us from feasting on him. Where we then turn to his gifts for for satisfaction, for our thirst to be quenched and our hunger to be satisfied, even though we know that he and his word are the good bread. Again, these things that God gives us, they in, in and of themselves are not bad things. But they should be brought under the submission of the Father, our living spring who, th- who quenches our thirst. They should be brought to the altar to be washed, scrubbed, purified, and stewarded for his glory. This is why Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, he says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, here are some additional pulse check questions in addition to the ones that I've been asking throughout this daily gospel meditation today. Uh, Questions for you to take before the Father by the power and work of his spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Question number one, what is God revealing to you about himself and his character in Luke chapter 14 verses 15 through 24? Question number two, what gifts, whether they be spiritual or physical, what what dreams or desires is he asking you to consecrate? Question number three, where have you placed your identity in the gifts he's given you? Whether that's in being a, a spouse or or a parent or a worship leader or a preacher, whatever it might be. And where have you placed your identity in what he is doing through you for his glory? Question number four. How has God brought encouragement to you through Luke chapter 14 verses 15 through 24? And question number five, as always, how has he brought challenge through these verses? Thank you, Jesus, that your steadfast love is better than life. May your name be hallowed and your will be done. And to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, that's going to be it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It truly is such a humbling privilege to steward this for his glory. We will be right back tomorrow with another daily gospel meditation from the word of God. We'll actually be closing out this little mini series because tomorrow is Friday. Wow. In the meantime, remember to love God, love his church and faithfully build your foundation on him. Christ with prayers and love, Dialagami, the people's conversation with Travis and Kyra Gold. See you next time.